All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11 tonight. I'm very excited about the message. I'm really excited about these John and Romans. I don't know about you, but I wish we'd had these when we went door to door. And we will go door to door soon, probably 2046, but that's when we'll go door to door. Amen. Uh, maybe they'll free us up by then. And uh, we appreciate all of you being here tonight. And we're spread out for sure. So, amen. Just take about five or six rows between you and uh, enjoy yourself. And uh, I guarantee you'll be safe tonight, too safe. But um, if that's possible, I want you to continue to pray uh, for a lot of people. But I want to preach on one of the most convicting messages I've ever prepared. And that's uh, measuring your life by your intercession. Last week was measuring your life by your communion. That means worship. That means when you go to pray, you don't just ask for things, but you adore Him and love Him and get to know Him and fellowship with Him. That's communion. We're in communion. We ought to commune with each other. Um, when we have communion or the Lord's Supper, we agree together. We shouldn't have it all against a brother. We ought to get it right. Many sleep and go to heaven prematurely because of that. But um, I want to preach this message with conviction uh, already in my own soul because I know I don't pray for the world enough. I ought to pray for every continent, every nation. I ought to pray for every missionary. I ought to pray for every need of, uh, that God lays on our heart. And it's called intercession. It's interceding for others. Most uh, prayers are very selfish. It's for me, myself, and I and my family. But a lot of times God will lay on your heart to pray for uh, your community, for your nation, for your president. We don't pray for our president enough and our Congress, and our judicial system. And so this is going to cover it all. But Luke chapter 11, if you'll stand in honor of the Word of God, we will not sit while I read the Word of God, I'll tell you that. We might do it singing for a while. But verses 5 through 8 uh, is a beautiful picture or parable of intercession. Um, folks, what does it teach us? That the acts of the Holy Spirit draws down the power and blessings of God Almighty to lay on our hearts a burden to pray for people that we cannot help. We cannot help. Uh, we, need to, we, need to, we need to realize that we're not able to help everybody, but God is. And so we go to that rich friend uh, and we beg for bread for our friend. And that's what intercession is. Look at verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you having a friend? And then go unto him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Now listen to this. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, for I have nothing to set before him. He's knocking on a door at midnight for not himself, but a friend. That's intercession. Look at verse 7. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are, in, uh, are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. They had tradition in those days of one big bed and one little house, and uh, everybody slept together. That's a bad habit to get your children doing. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, my kids started sleeping on their own about 16 or 17. No, not really. But um, it says this, and, and he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and all my children are in bed with me, and I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto thee, though he will not rise and give him because he, he is his friend, yet, here it is, because of his importunity, that means persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek. And ye shall not, uh, you shall find knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. 
If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, uh, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will you, will you offer him a scorpion? Now listen to this. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? We had a retreat on that one time at Sand Mountain for the men. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that asked him? You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this convicting message, and I pray, God, there'll be as much conviction as I delivered it, as I have received it. And God, I pray, dear God, that we would get under Holy Ghost conviction about intercession, about interceding for our brother. Lord, it's easy to talk about people. It's easy to criticize people. It's easy to second-guess people. But it's not so easy to pray for people. And God, may we be on praying ground so we can pray for one another. God forbid that we'd have anything in our life that keep us from praying for each other, for our loved ones, and especially for the lost. And we'll praise you and thank you, God, for what you teach us about the measure of our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're evaluating our life according to God's perspective. That's what we're doing. We're doing an evaluation. You've had a lot of time to sit at home, uh, some, some of you, and take inventory and think about your life. And life will never be the same after this pandemic. It's been a real shocker to me and never would have expected this, never predicted it. But it should be a good time where you evaluate your life from God's perspective. And one of the ways that we evaluated God's, our life is how much do we love? How much love do we have in our soul towards others? And we ought to guard each other, and protect each other, and we ought to protect each other's testimonies, and we ought to be able to receive a, a rebuke when a brother comes up to us and, and corrects us, and we ought to have exhortation and honor and preferring one another and praying for one another. A lot of times we're just me, myself, and I in our little domain, and we just pray for what we want. We have our grocery list. Uh, we have the things we want. And I guarantee you, most of our prayers are dominated by what we want. God is not your grocery boy. God is not your uh, click it and tick it and let them deliver in a blue box out in front of Kroger's. Uh, God is God who wants us to act like God. And I want to tell you something, the, 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 the time that you're most like Jesus is when you're interceding. Because he interceded all through his life, his ministry. He was interceding on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Folks, listen, he's always interceding. And uh, we need to intercede. The Bible says in James 4, 2, we have not because we ask not. But the Bible says in Isaiah 59, verse 16, that we ought to be interceders and stand in the gap. Acts chapter 114 talks about the upper room Christianity. And so let's go to Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 14 real quick. And I want to show you the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. But I want to show you what, what, what caused the Holy Spirit to move why there was such a close church, why it was such a powerful church. It all starts in chapter 1, verse 14. Look at it with me. Acts 1, 14. We'll have prayer time in just a moment after I finish this message. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says, But Peter, standing up with the leaven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. Uh, that's chapter 2. It, yeah. Let's go to verse 14 of 1. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with, 
with the, with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Upper room Christianity becomes before the falling of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and they were praying. They were praying. Chapter 3, verse 1, Acts. Chapter 3, verse 1. Don't you love to study the Word of God? Amen? Hope you prepared your heart to do just that. It says in chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Uh, chapter 4, verse 24. Look at it. John, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 24. The Bible says this, And when they heard that they... When, when they heard that, that they lifted up their voice to God in one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all, that's, all, all that is in them is. Um, look at verse 31 of John cha uh, Acts chapter 4. Uh, verse 31, And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is you speak the Word of God with boldness. And look at verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were one heart and one, one soul. This uh, unity is important, isn't it? It says one heart, one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed, which was his own, but they all, they had all things common. And then look at verse 33, Acts 4. Are you with me? Circle this. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. And folks, they were in one accord, believing and praying for one another, not just themselves. One more verse in Acts, Acts 6, verse 4. Acts 6, verse 4. It says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Prayer and the ministry of the Word. Why? Because deacons would allow the men of God to be a man of intercessory prayer, true intercessory prayer. Now let's go back to Acts, uh, uh, Luke chapter 11 real quick, and I'm just going to go over this parable in just a few minutes, and then I want to get to the main part of my message about how you can lengthen and have depth to your Christian life. You can widen your Christian life, and you can uh, really just measure your Christian life by how you intercede. It's very key, very key. But look at Luke chapter 11. And then look at verse 5. First of all, we see the urgent need. We see an urgent need. Um, in verse 5 it says, And he said to them, Which of you having a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine is in journey, has come to me. And so we first of all see an untimely hour. It's not easy to pray. Hardest thing you'll ever do is pray. I guarantee you the hardest thing you'll ever do is get up early and pray. The hardest thing you'll do is uh, get, not get so busy that you don't pray. We must open our eyes uh, and get a greater vision. That's the theme of this year. Little do we know that we're going to get a real vision of um, what God can do and what he is doing uh, in a very unusual way. Never would have predicted we'd got it this way, but that's what God wanted. And we must open our eyes and hearts to the need around us. Millions and millions of people are in the darkness of, of being a Muslim, perishing for lack of the bread of life. I mean, they're starving. They have no clue that they're not saved. Millions of ignorant and indifferent church members. Folks, people are religious. Religion of Cain, not able. As I preached Sunday morning, had a lot of liberty to do so. Folks, there's a lot of people that are ignorant in their religion. 
They think their good works is enough. Millions of people are religious but lost. Many are headed to hell spiritually blind. And you know what the only hope they have? That they have a friend, a friend uh, that will come to God because they don't have the bread. They don't have the answers. They don't have the power to change their life. You can't put change their life. And knock at God's heart's door in the midnight hour and say, please give me some bread. Give me some warm bread. Give me some bread that'll, that'll meet the needs of these lost and dying, headed to hell, heathens and religious people in America. Then number two, I want you to see the willing love. The willing love. Look at verse six. It says, for a friend of mine is in, a fr friend of mine is in journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. I'm going to tell you something. If you've got a real friend in this place, you're blessed. If you have a real friend uh, in your life, you're blessed. If you have two or three friends, you're triply blessed. You're quadruply blessed. You're blessed beyond measure. A lot of people don't have a friend. But I want to tell you something. The greatest friend you'll ever have is somebody that will take the Word of God and bring it to your heart when you're lost and you get saved. And the greatest friend you'll have is somebody that will come to you and pray for you that you might be effective and fruitful. Look at verse 7. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut and the children are uh, in the bed and I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give thee because, he, because his friend, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Oh, folks, look, look, listen to this. He gave himself to seek bread for his friend. He sacrificed a night's rest. Love seeketh not her own. Love takes the need and makes it, makes it their own. Compassion makes a difference. So he gave himself to seek the bread for his hungry friend. He sacrificed his night's rest and he had compassion and made a difference. And folks, true love must pray. If you really love somebody, you pray for them. Don't tell me you don't, that you love somebody and you never pray for them. You ought to pray for them with a heartbroken uh, need to pray. There ought to be an intercession. Um, you ought to pray for uh, children like they're your own children. You ought to pray for uh, people that have lost mates like it's your mate that's lost. And folks, we need to get beyond this selfish prayer life, this indifference. Uh, we need to have a sense of also, uh, third of all, we need to have a sense of empathy. Impotence. This friend could not give bread. Uh, you got to admit this. You don't have the answer, and you're not the Savior. One time a guy came up to me and said, hey, you remember me? Brother Wayne, I said, no, I don't think I do. He said, you saved me about 10 years ago. And I said, buddy, if I saved you, you're, you're, you're lost and going to hell. I said, if Jesus saved He said, you know what I mean. Then another guy came up to me and said, hey, Father. I said, I ain't your father. I know I'm not your father. He was trying to be respectful and call me a father. And, you know, listen, I want to tell you something. Love is, is, is uh, realizing you ain't got the bread. You don't have the power in yourself. You need to pray that God will fill you, but then don't just get filled up to be satisfied, but to overflow. It was the midnight hour. We have nothing. And, folks, we become the only hope for intercession. Uh, will you become the only hope somebody has? Intercession is, is doing this, saying, hey, listen, I need heavenly bread for a sinner in this midnight hour. He's about to die and go to hell, 
And uh, folks, if there's ever a time we ought to be witness, it ought to be now. Amen. I have nothing as a sense of, of, Lord, I have not got the answer. Then fourthly, we see uh, faith in prayer to, to one who can provide. He went to a rich friend near him that both was able, and after a little persuasion, he was willing. Uh, he had the bread. He had the goods. And he sure he, he was sure that he was the only answer for this, this friend's problem of being hungry. And folks, simple, confident faith that God will give your friend what you need, what they need, excuse me. That's intercession. By thousands of promises and testimony, it causes and urges us to believe that prayer will be heard, and we need to have faith to believe that, and we need to knock, and we need to seek, and we need to find God's power for the lost. And then uh, fifthly, real quick, I've lost some of you already. Uh, push, pull your mask down, take a deep breath, and put it back up. Amen? Now, I'm not being flippant either. I mean, some of you are lucky about to pass out. Uh, number five, not the importunity uh, that prevails. No, I mean, I want you to notice the importunity that prevails. Look at verse seven. It says, and from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me, and I cannot rise and give thee, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. Are you somebody's friend? Yet because of his importunity, he will arise and give him as many as he needed. And folks, the importunity is, is uh, translated his persistence. Faith in uh, this friend met, uh, met a sudden unexpected check. He didn't want to get up. He didn't want to wake all his kids up. He didn't want to get up at midnight. How many's ever... Uh, your door's been knocked on at midnight. How many of you have had friends that come by and you say, oh, it's him again? Shut the door. Turn the lights off. Act like you're asleep. And folks, here's a man who didn't want to be bothered, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a parable. And it's saying, hey, listen, you might be refused the first time, but don't give up. Don't give up. God's word says keep on keeping on and be faithful. And faith of a friend met a sudden unexpected check or a refusal and uh, he didn't accept it. He kept on knocking. He kept on asking. And God gave it to him. Now look at Luke chapter 11, uh, the final phrase. It says, and he giveth many as he needeth. Last, I want you to see the certainty of the rich reward. The certainty of the rich reward. When it's hard to pray, that's when you need to pray the most. Amen? Hey, just keep on believing God and his faithfulness. Spend time in prayer and yield and, and don't give up on people. Uh, intercessory. An uh, intercessor is a, like a priest. And we have courage to approach the throne of God again. And we pray and, op and God opens the way for us to get to God for our friend. Not for ourselves, but our friend. Who is it that's hard to pray for? And see, the whole conclusion of the matter is found in verse um, uh, 5. It says, friend, lend me three loaves. But then it goes on to say uh, that uh, this friend was none other but God because verse 11 and 12 it says an earthly father knows how to give good gifts but I'll tell you what your heavenly father will give you the Holy Spirit I want to tell you the answer to all your problems is the Holy Spirit now I want to just go over something in closing and I hope you get something out of this I want you to see how you can lengthen strengthen and measure your life I want you to take these four points down and I want you to really, I got so many notes, 
it's dangerous tonight. Amen. Uh, but I, I'm going to try to take my time. But we're going to have prayer time in just a few minutes. But I want you to see. I want you to see this: how God measures your life, how God evaluates your life. He didn't put you on this earth for yourself. Some people, everything is directed towards them. And everything's about them. This party is about you. And your earnest prayer can expand your life beyond any other limits that you could, have, you could ever reach. If you learn to intercede, you will reach limits you'll never uh, reach any other way. I wish you seniors would believe this. If you'll learn to pray, you will go further in life and touch more people than you could ever imagine. Measure your life by your fervent, prevailing prayer for others and for Christ's kingdom. That's how you measure your life. Last week was communion. The week before was love. But I want to say you can measure your life by how much you pray. And I'm saying how much you pray, where you pray, how you pray, if you pray, and who you pray for, and it's others. At a testimony time in heaven, how many people will rise and thank God for your prayer life? Now, all we preachers, we want somebody to get up and say, oh, I was, he was preaching on the day I saved. Praise God for that. But I want to tell you something, friend. How many people will have this testimony? Miss Elsie, you prayed for me, and I got saved. So-and-so, you prayed for me, and I got saved. You never gave up on me, cousin, and I got saved. Folks, listen, you prayed for me, daddy, and I got saved. You prayed for me, mama, and I got saved. And so I want to give you four things real quick. I want you to see, first of all, the breadth of your life. The breadth of your life. Measure your life by your intersection. The breadth of your life. That means the width, the, the wideness, the substance of it. The Bible says in Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7, I don't have time to read it, but it says we're watchmen. We're called to be watchmen. And I want to tell you something. It's a sorry pastor, and it's a sorry deacon, and it's a sorry Sunday school teacher that doesn't pray for their flock. How I many he's prayed for people? How I many he's got a prayer list? You say, well, I can't minister to them with a Sunday school list. You can minister them with a prayer list. And see, we just want all this public stuff all the time. We want all this personal stuff all the time. We can't be as close as we want to be. But we can be as close to God as we we could ever be. And so, folks, intercession uh, uh, widens your life. It includes, uh, your prayer life ought to include this whole community. How many's, how many's prayed over Dugout Valley today? How many's prayed over Dalton, Georgia? Somebody better pray for Calhoun, Georgia. And somebody better pray for Chattanooga. I mean, it's in a mess. Folks, listen, how many's prayed for local officials by name today? How many's prayed for the president today? I bet you, some of you criticize him. You, don't, you can't stand him. But you ought to pray for him, whether you can stand him or not. Um, how many's prayed uh, for schools today? How many's prayed for um, pastors? Not just this pastor, but every pastor you can think of. How, many, how many's prayed for the, for the youth? You know what the youth are facing today? They got a whole lot of decisions to make. Uh, several of you graduated this week. Congratulations, Rebecca. Why don't you come up here and give a speech? No, but uh, you know, uh, she said, I ain't coming up. But I'll tell you this, friend. Uh, spiritual watchmen of your church, folks, you're to watch over these young people. You're to pray for these young people. You ought to pray for them. Um, folks, are you wide enough?
to include your state in prayer. How many pray for the governor? Boy, he called a lot of flag, didn't he? Um, how about the Senate? How about congressmen? Well, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, real quick. I'm telling you, that's a wide life. That's a, that's a breadth of a life. That's, that, you measure your life by who you're touching, who you're praying for, who you're affecting, who you're influencing. Well, they don't know me. It don't matter if they know you're praying. God knows you're praying. And so, so the fact of the matter is, we don't pray like that. We just wait and some fall apart in our own life, and then we pray about it. Look, at, it says, I exhort, I exhort you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayer, listen to this now, uh, intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men. Say, so first of all, you pray for all men. Notice this, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and honesty. I wonder all these protesters is getting out protesting about opening up the country. Have they prayed about it? I doubt it. I really doubt it. We'll have more prayer meetings and less riots. Amen? Look at verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So, folks, God knows if you're praying. And God knows if you have a prayer life that's, 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 that reaches a lot of people. Uh, folks, there ought to be a width to your prayer life. There ought to be a, a, a praying for every nation, every country. You ought to get a map out. I used to uh, run into my pastor's office, and he'd be on the floor crying and weeping with a, with a map of the world. And he'd be touching places. He influenced Brother Austin Gardner a lot. He went down there a whole lot. Loved Brother Austin like a daddy to him. And uh, folks, he, he and, and Brother Austin learned to pray from the world from my pastor, Brother Paul Forsyth. And so we measure the, 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 the breadth of our life. Then number two, um, we, we measure not only the breadth of our life, but B, we measure the depth of our life. Intercession in a prayer burden. Uh, this is going to get a little touching, and you'll probably get mad at me, but I didn't, I'm not running for any office. Matter of fact, I'm running from an office. And God's opening doors. Uh, just got an invitation to preach in uh, Canada, a family uh, revival uh, in June. You say, you think you're going to Canada? I ain't going to Canada. But it's going to be a Zoom meeting where we're going to do that every night at 10 o'clock at night. And I get an hour with these people up in uh, Vancouver. And uh, that's, a, that's a great door opening. But I need prayer. I got I to gotta be effective. I can't just have a Zoom meeting. It'll Zoom right over their head. And folks, it's wonderful that we have opportunities to serve God even as old as I am. And so the depth of your life, and this is it. Do you really pray when you pray? You say, well, of course I do. Well, a lot of people don't. And a lot of people pray to be heard. Church life can become superficial. That's why I switched the prayer meeting. I know that shook a lot of people up. But that's all right. It didn't shake y'all up because, you know, they're going to tune in afterwards. They've already missed half the message now. But I want to tell you this, friend. Uh, folks, we need to get out of the rut sometimes and change everything up to emphasize prayer. Uh, just attendance, content to just sit there and soak it up. Some people even get uh, uh, out of sorts when they can't sit in their, their pew. It ain't your pew, it's God's pew. Say amen right there. But anyway, uh, some have never learned to carry a spiritual burden for a life to witness. Listen to this. They've never, they've never wept when they prayed. 
You've never fasted and prayed. How many's ever fasted and prayed? That's the hardest thing in the world to do, isn't it? It's hard to fast and pray. Most people feast and pray. We have prayer retreats, and we go up there and we eat like kings. Roast beef and mashed potatoes. I missed that in May. I really did. And uh, one time I, I asked how many men would go up there and fast, and there, nobody signed up. No one. I didn't even sign up. I didn't want to go. But I want to tell you this, Frank, God help us. We need to miss a meal once in a while. Some of us need to miss a whole lot of meals. I'm not really afraid of the virus as much as I'm afraid of a heart attack. I've gained so much weight in this lockdown. I'm afraid I'm going to die of a heart attack. I really do. And I probably will if I don't, if I don't cut back a little. Amen. These two desserts are killing me. But so have we learned to carry a spiritual burden? Have we wept? How deep is your intercession? That's what I'm talking about. The width is you can pray for everybody. But the depth is when you pray, you're broken. You say, well, I don't cry. Well, you ought to try it. Jesus did. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you know by experience what a prayer burden is? A prayer burden is you can't, you can't sleep. Uh, sometimes people call me with problems at 11 o'clock. I can't sleep. I try, I, I've never had that problem in, until I turned older. And uh, sometimes I just can't sleep. I start keep thinking about that burden. I keep thinking about that problem. I keep thinking about that family breaking up. And I just can't sleep. And so the best thing for me to do is get out of bed, hit my knees, and pray for them until God, the devil makes me sleepy. Because you don't want me to pray no more. Don't count sheep, count burdens. Say amen. Do you have a weeping heart as you intercede? Let me just say this. Tears of self-pity are cheap. Anybody can cry for themselves. Oh, I'm I mean, we are pitiful. We cry over anything that doesn't go our way. Say amen. And if you don't cry, you pout a little. Come on, men. Say amen right there, you bunch of pouting men. You know, we'll pout a little. But I want to tell you something, folks. Tears of love carry a prayer burden. It's precious and it's powerful. And it's biblical. It's biblical. Let me give it to you. David felt a spiritual responsibility for his nation surrounded by the enemies. And look at Psalms 42, please. Psalms 42. This message is getting me again. Every time you preach on prayer, preachers get under conviction. Everybody that listens to a message on real intercession ought to get on a conviction. There should be nothing to get in the way of our prayer life. Nothing. Nothing. That's why I don't go around holding grudges. That's why I don't get mad at people. You know the reason is? i got to pray for my children. They need me to pray for them. I need to pray for my grandchildren. I need to pray for my children over in South Africa of all places, Brother Kevin. I mean, they, they're over there on the front lines. Going to these uh, places and it's rough. And boy, if I'm not on praying ground, I'm leaving them over there by themselves. And I'll give account at the judgment seat of Christ for not being on praying ground on those weeks that I was holding a stinking grudge. You can't pray for your children. You can't pray for your wife. You can't pray for your husband. If there's anything in your life that's wrong. But look at uh, Psalms 42, verse 3 and 4. It says this, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually saying to me, where is thy God? 
When I remember these things, I poured out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise and with a multitude that kept holy days. Does that sound like some form prayer to you? No, he's weeping. He's broken. He knew the tears were, were measured by God. Look at Psalms 56, verse 8. Psalms 50, you still in Psalms? Psalms 56, verse 8, please. God measures our tears. God measures a broken heart. Psalms 56, verse 8, the Bible says this, Thou tellest my wanderings, put, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in the book? God remembers your tears. Psalms 119, verse 30, 136. Longest chapter in the Bible about the Bible. Psalms 119, verse 136, and i got to close. But look at this. It says this. Rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. Do you hear that? He was bawling. He was squalling. That's South Georgia word. He was letting it rip with tears. When's the last time you've been in tears for somebody? I mean, you've been broken. Folks, that's the depth of your, of your intercession. You really mean it. Ezra, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, they were all weepers. Jeremiah wept. Um, that people would know God, that the heathens would come to God. They prevailed an intercessory prayer for the whole nation, and it broke their heart. What ways will the kingdom of God advance because of your deep intercession? Paul wept, carried a tremendous burden. And Jesus wept repeatedly. Hebrews chapter 5, turn with me there. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. Hebrews 5 verse 7. The Bible says this, Who in the days of his flesh, I'll wait on you. Hebrews 5, 7. Y'all getting anything out of this message? I'm under conviction. I'm not even halfway through it. It says, Who, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. What makes you cry? What breaks you? What breaks you? Well, my boy friend broke up with me and I'm crying for three days. I can't eat. God help you. Maybe you didn't need that boyfriend. Say amen. Well, I went broke. The stock market went down. I invested in cruise ships on March 7th. And you cry and weep about it. That's what, we ought, what ought to move us deeply is that souls are going to burn and scream and roast in hell forever and ever if they don't get saved. Does that bother you? Does that really... Tear your soul up? Can you lose a meal and not want to eat because you're burdened for a soul? Can you have a little emotion when you talk to God? Emotion's not everything, but it's, it's, it, the Bible says he, he, he cried with strong crying. Jesus did. First verse I memorized was John 4.35. Jesus wept over Lazarus. Number three. We measure the heights of your life by your prayers, intercessory prayer. I want to ask you a question. Does your prayers really 
touch heaven. That's what I want to know in my own life. I don't know about you, but I want to know about me. When I pray, does God hear it? We'll look at it in Acts chapter 10, verse 4. Back to the moving of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's not the acts of the apostles. Apostles had nothing going for them except the Holy Spirit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 4, please. Acts 10, verse 4. I've been looking forward to this message all day long because I need to hear it because I need to have a better prayer life. How about you? How many would say today, I think my prayer life's just right? I'll see one hand. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 4. It says, And when he looked on him, and he was afraid, and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Thy prayers and thine alms have come up for memorial before God. Wow! He said, Your prayers have come up to heaven, has touched heaven, has touched God. Look at um, uh, verse 30 and 31 of this same chapter. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I, I was fasting. Until the hour of the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. You probably won't have that experience, but you ought to thank God that he's listening and he's real when you pray, and his presence is real. Look at verse 31. And he said, Cornelius, thy prayers is heard, and thine alms are, are had in remembrance in the sight of God. See, God's not moved by your religion. God's not really moved by your works. God's not really moved by your faithfulness. But I want to tell you something. When the weakest Christian gets a hold of God, he's moved. Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 10. Brother Jeremy covered this. Uh, he, he, he testified that his prayers reached heaven. His prayers reached heaven. Romans 8, 26 says, the length of your prayer is this, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you and shows you the will of God and literally escorts you into heaven. And he says, this is what God wants. This is the will of God. Any prayer that's answered on earth starts in heaven. So you better start with the Holy Ghost and saying, that's why all this parable ends with, hey, God will give you the Holy Ghost. You pray, God will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead you into a deep prayer life. But it'll lead you into a height of a prayer life. How tall are you? You can reach heaven, that's pretty tall. And then last but not least, the length of your prayer life. The prayers of those who prevail in intercession, they live on and on and on. Length, length of your life, D. The length of your life, there it is. Oh, folks, listen. David, Isaiah, Paul, Jesus, Luther, Charles, Finney, uh, E.M. Bounds, all these people's prayers still live on. And they're multiplied answers. Why? Because they prayed for a daddy, and the daddy prayed for a child, and the child prayed for their child, and that child prayed for their child, and it's still going on. One reached them one, one reached another. The whole nation is saved because somebody got saved. Somebody pray for that first somebody. Your prayers are lengthened. Your prayers uh, will, will, will multiply. Look, listen now, prayer prayed in the Spirit 
for the advance of the Christ kingdom, for God's blessing and revival in his church and through his church, for his praying for labors for the harvest, then prayer can never die. That kind of prayer can never die. It lives on and it's a widening fulfillment until eternity. It just keeps being answered. You can do more. To move, you cannot do more to move the world for God than on your knees. There's no other way. I think you ought to work, but you cannot do anything that's worthwhile working for until you pray about it. In South Korea, one-third of the 600,000-member church called the uh, uh, Korean Evangelical Holiness Church I probably don't agree with their doctrine, but I agree with what they do. Every morning, one-third of them get up at 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock, and they pray every morning. They pray every morning. One-third of them. And listen to this. For security purpose, one adult must stay in the home at all times. So they'd have a whole lot more than a third. But a third of 600,000 people, that's a pretty good prayer meeting. Every morning. Every morning in South Korea. Every morning. Folks, listen. The average Christian can add depth, breadth, length to his life by joining in with Christ in holy intercession. You become his prayer partner. How about that? You become Jesus' prayer partner for the whole world. You become a watchman. Now you can do... More to move the world for God. You can do more to move the world for God on your knees than you can do in any other way. I want to repeat that. I think it's the next slide, brother. You can do more to move the world for God on your knees than you can do for any other way. You can do more to move the world for God on your knees than you can in any other way. Now, a lot of you don't believe that. I don't know if I believe it because I sure don't practice it like I should. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You cannot do anything for God until you pray about it. You can do a lot of things, but you cannot do anything that God will bless until you pray about it. Let me just give you these sayings in closing. You can pick them up, Blaine, if you can. I don't know. I got them all down. But you can bless more lives through intercessory prayer than you can on any other way. How many want to be a blessing to somebody? Raise your hand. How many want to bless your children? You want to bless your neighbor? You want to bless your lost employer? Well, you can bless more lives through intercession than you can any other way. The greatest work that you will ever do for God is to intercede in accordance to the will of God. How many believe that? You can unite yourself more fully with the purpose and plan of God in prayer than you can do it in any other Christian service. Let me repeat that. You can unite yourself more fully with the purpose and plan of God in prayer than you can by any other form of Christian service. You see in these sayings, flip over to them. I want to give you these, these nuggets. I'm closing. You can, listen, you can more closely feel, I think I got this one on there. You can more closely feel the pulse and loving heartbeat of the great heart of God in intercession than you can do in any other way. Than any other way. Read it. Think about it. 
You can do more closely, you can, you can more closely feel the pulse and the loving heartbeat of the great heart of God in intercession than you can do it in any other way. That's convicting to me. Let me give you another one. You lift heavier loads on, on your knees than any other way. You lift heavier loads, burdens on other people's lives on your knees than any other way. Why don't we have more prayer time? Brother Larry Reimer, we're going to present a plaque that they've designed back in the sound room, and I'm going to present a Bible to one of you preacher boys that's here this morning or tonight in a, very, in a couple of weeks. And I want to tell you this. He always loved those all-night prayer meetings, Friday night prayer meetings. They really didn't last all night, but it seemed like it because we, we'd go to about 2 o'clock and we just that's all we could pray. But it was wonderful. Uh, your arms can embrace more of the world and Christian love through prayer than any other way. You want to embrace the world? It's through prayer. I'm going to close with this one. You can wipe more tears from the eyes of sorrowing. You can place a hand of blessing upon the heads of more children. You can lead a uh, guiding hand to more youth. And you can strengthen the hand of more Christian workers in prayer than any other way if you really intercede and prevail and prevail for God. Prayer does not take the place of any other helpful action you can do. But prayer must undergird all else you do. Prayer adds God's power to everything. Everything else you do. Not only so, but by prayer you can touch and help those you can bless no other way. I can't go to Germany, but I can pray for them. I can pray for that missionary that's down with, with the virus that's going to the Muslims up here in Michigan. I can pray for him. I'm not going to go up there, as far as I know. But here's the question. My time's up. I was going to leave it, close at 8, and we'll pray 15 minutes and go. The question is, do you intercede? Do you really intercede for people? Do you have a prayer list of lost people? Lost relatives? And do you wrestle in prayer with the forces of spirit against forces of the spiritual darkness? Ephesians 6 12. It's a warfare. Is there self-denial in your prayer life? Is your prayer Truthfully powerful and effective. James 5, 16 says, it's a fervent and righteous man. The prayer of a fervent and righteous man availeth much. Folks, you measure your life by your intercession. He came back to his disciples. They were asleep. And he looked at them. And he said, could you not pray one hour? The flesh is weak. They distribute, they demonstrate that. They couldn't even stay awake while Jesus was praying about going to the cross. Matthew 26, 40. Read it. My time's up. Or do you have to hang your head and say, Lord, I don't know if I've ever prayed an hour. And I know I don't pray an hour every day. I pray a few minutes and 
you know, I never, I never eat a meal without praying. Well, heathens don't eat a meal without praying. Ain't, that ain't nothing. I don't think you ought to pray for the missionary movement while right before you eat. Praise God, especially if I'm out with you. I want to eat. I want to pray for every missionary on the list. We ain't eating them, amen. <laughs> but I'm, tell you, I'm telling you, folks, time spent in prayer is the most spiritual time of your life. We need to pray and claim victories by faith. Have you ever prayed till you just had an assurance that that prayer was going to be answered and you got up and claimed the victory? Let me ask you this. How many unsaved people have been saved because of your travail in prayer? Travail means like birth, giving birth. We ought to travail in prayer. By the number of Christian workers are in the ministry because you prayed for them. I believe that I'm still here after 42 years because you prayed for me. Folks, you measure your life by the length of your prayer, by the depth of your prayer. You, 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 you measure your life to the extent that you put yourself available to be like Jesus, and that's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want us to pray for a few minutes. When I say a few minutes, it kind of contradicts everything I preached on. Because I don't think we ought to just enter a prayer like, well, I got 15 minutes and my show comes on in the house. I'm tired, I'm hungry. You only opened up one bathroom and I got to go. No, we should not rush through prayer. How many of you have on your heart tonight the most important prayer request you could have that your life would glorify God more? Would you slip your hand up? We've got to start with ourselves, I know. But let's just don't stop there. All right, how many of you know somebody that's lost? Somebody that's lost and you'd like us to pray for them? Raise your hand on their behalf. I got a cousin. I got a nephew. He's the nicest, friendliest guy in the world. I don't pray for him often. I might have a brother-in-law. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. I know i got a lot of friends that are lost. How many has got somebody that's sick? I mean, your heart's broken for them because they're sick. We ought to all be heartbroken for Brother Austin. I mean, you can say a lot about Brother Austin, but I want to tell you something. He has a heartbeat to reach the world. And I'm going to tell you this, friend. He's struggling for life, and he's struggling for every breath. Somebody needs to pray for him. Somebody needs to pray for his son. He's got diabetes. I mean, deep diabetes. Not this one pill a day thing. He's got, he's got a pump that keeps his insulin straight. He's got COVID-19. That's very, very dangerous. Somebody needs to lift up Brother Chris. His wife is sick. You need to lift him up. Miss Betty's sick. Who wants to pray? You say, oh, you shouldn't share all these prayer requests. That's what intercessory prayer is all about. Praying no matter what. And if they don't want to be prayed for, pray for them anyway. Get rid of the pride. I mean, he's got a burden for our country. I'll tell you what I'm praying about. I'm praying we have a church left the time this epidemic's over. I mean, I, I pray we, we stay together. I pray that we do more. I pray that we come through this storm, Brother Randy, on more solid ground and more of a ministry. Not, you know, half the people not coming back. I mean, he's got a missionary on your heart. 
going over in some God-forsaken place. They worship heathens and they, and they get uh, accolades for killing Christians. Here they go. They're going that place. Hey, I'd hate to be going to China right now. And people are going to China. China hates our guts now because we're coming down on what they did. And I want to tell you something. When they see an American walk down the road with a King James Bible, it ain't going to be easy. I mean, need to pray for a missionary. Somebody's got a missionary on your heart, raise your hand. you got a missionary on your heart. I mean, maybe it's a missionary that's sick. So I want you to make an altar. If some of you want to come to this altar, I don't think you'll be... Keep your mask on when you come to the altar if you're close by. But if you want to come to the altar, if you want to just make an altar out of this pew, I don't care. Wherever you can pray best. I want you to pray. How many's got a lost loved one that you want us to pray for again? Raise your hand. That's the most important need right there. I refuse coming to the altar. Come on. I'll join you in the altar. I'll put my hand around you. I won't touch you. I'll just pray with you. I'll agree with you. Oh, we need social distance. I think that's what's kept this church healthy, thank God. So far, so good. But it could hit us any minute. At a church up the road, the boss would admit that he had the virus and gave it to him and he brought it into the church and the whole church gets blamed for it. God help us. We live in a, ter a terrible day of accusations and pain and agony and death and sickness. It breaks my heart. Is it personal to you? It could get real personal if your wife gets it. It could get real personal if your husband gets it. One of your children get it. It'd get real personal. We ought to pray for everybody like they're our children. We ought to pray for everybody like it's our mate. I can always count on my wife to come to church with me. That's such an encouragement. But some of you can't get your mate to come. We ought to have a burden for you. We ought to put our place, ourselves in your place. Let's pray.